This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap Vandy's 84-72 loss at SMU in Dallas this past weekend and dive into some of the recruiting momentum that has been picked up by Coach Lee and his staff. With the hardwood, we continue to harp on the importance of getting Rodney Chapman and Liam Robbins back, especially before SEC play, but also the need to pick up quality non-conference wins before the month of January. Meanwhile, on the recruiting side of things, we react to A.J. Swan, a talented quarterback out of Georgia committing to Vandy last week, but also five guys that we're keeping an eye on as the Commodores sprint to the recruiting finish line. We've got all that and much more coming right up on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back to the Door Report, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. It is episode one thirty-one. It is uh, December sixth, so we are in December, and Will got that right. But uh, we've got—we're finally turning the page from football season. We're still going to be talking football, but we've got uh, some basketball to talk about. Vanderbilt lost uh, at SMU, eighty-four seventy-two. We'll recap that one. But will AJ Swan? We're going to dive into him and the commitment uh, that that uh, he gave to Vanderbilt. He's now the top player in the class uh, right after his commitment. Um, so the quarterback room just got a little bit more competitive. But will this is going to be a lot of recruiting talk, and and they're heating up. So we're going to give Barton and Clark and all those guys every shout out they deserve in, in this episode. Yeah, the recruiting picked up. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I watched Clark Lee's season or end of season recap mm-hmm. media availability where. Uh, some questions could be asked and he kind of gave not just a recap of the season but went into 2022 offseason and moving forward and he was even talking about guys are on the field throw or running routes and throwing passes and getting ready for the season but he talked about a lot of things that they were evaluating and looking at this offseason and it's and and this was before a lot of this recruiting craziness has happened like right before so It was weird going back and watching that, knowing what was going to happen, mm-hmm. kind of the recruiting news that was going to break and seeing what he said beforehand and kind of hinting at it. And then mm-hmm. they made it happen. Yeah. So right now there's a lot of I didn't see it coming. I don't think you did. And we'll get into the details of it. But there's a lot of momentum building after yes. a two and ten season. And yes. that's a little unexpected. Yeah, it's incredible to see the recruiting momentum that they have right now after a two and ten season. It kind of tells you about what's ahead in the future. So we will dive into uh, kind of give you guys a recruiting update. Some more guys will come commit this week uh we're not going to give you guys guarantees but we have a few guys on our radar that we're going to talk about and uh, of course we'll recap vandy and smu before we get to all that though don't forget to follow us on twitter at door 
Door Report and Instagram, Door.Report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, Will, let's start with basketball. And this this SMU game was a game that I think we both thought was winnable. And But even said that, it's the toughest game, um, I guess, I think so far. And we knew that going mm-hmm. in. Vanderbilt had a great first half, but they just kind of fell apart slowly into the second half. SMU jumped out to an 11-0 run early in that second half. They ended up winning by 12, 84 to 72. Will Vandy down five and two on the season? They're, I mean, they're fine. This isn't, you know, this isn't cause for concern. But there are some things in this game that happen, and you're kind of scratching your head, saying, "Okay, I thought we may have fixed some of these things." So, Will, I look at this and I, I call it a tale of two halves. Uh, Vandy led forty to twenty-eight at the half, and you thought, "Okay, Vanderbilt, forty points in the first half. They should. They're on the track for eighty and maybe over eighty points." They kind of sputtered in the second half. As I mentioned, the Mustangs went on an 11-0 run to begin the second half, and they had control of the game all the way through. And, Will, I look at the offensive glass specifically in the second half. SMU, going back and watching that game, they dominated the glass in the second half. Overall, Vanderbilt actually won the rebounding edge. Uh, but offensively there in the second half, they were dominating the boards and Vandy struggled with turnovers. So, Will, I, I think some fans are looking at this game and saying, oh, not again, because we saw this happen a lot of times last season where Vanderbilt would have good first half, uh, but then the second half would kind of fall out, of, fall, fall apart. So I, I think for this game, Will, it's, it's OK. Let's let's not see this happen again at home against Temple, I think. Yeah, this was a little bit different to me than the VCU game. Obviously, there were issues that presented themselves when you give up. Going into halftime, you have a 12-point lead. You're feeling really good, and by the five-minute mark of the second half, the opponent has every bit of momentum. But this right. SMU team, was this win moves them to 7-0 and at home. Mm-hmm. All three of their losses have come on the road. It's a good team. Yeah. Um, that being said, this does cause a little bit of concern because it's the same issues rearing their ugly heads for, for Jerry mm-hmm. Stackhouse and this team with a very similar roster. But number one, I need football to finish up. <laughs> be before basketball we need to do something about the scheduling it's awesome it's fun to have both this sports overlap going on. Is, is dangerous but my roommates are georgia and alabama fans two of them so they they were at each other's throats watching the tv and i was having to watch the game on my phone got drug into that sec championship game watching and, and missed portions of the game so i had to go back right. and watch a little bit but this once again scotty pippen jr thank god he was unconscious Ooh. um from the three-point line i mean he was he was Eight unstoppable threes. and yeah that is the guy that is the scotty pippen jr that we both mm-hmm. have expected to see and at times we have seen just not super consistently mm-hmm. he struggled to get that shot going but the rebounding actually when i looked at that box score is pretty surprising because mm-hmm. i feel like they were dominated on the glass at least early in that first half right. that kept smu within striking distance and then Vanderbilt picked up that rebounding intensity, but it just, it, the box score doesn't reflect how that game felt. No. But the number one thing that jumped out to me is the turnovers, and that can be 100% attributed to a lack of a secondary ball handler. Mm-hmm. Trey Thomas and Tyron Lawrence struggle with turnovers when they're the primary ball handler, and getting Chapman back. Man, I, I think definitely they miss Robbins more as far as going into SEC play, needing him to mm-hmm. win. I think this team can get wins regardless, 
but I think you're going to see these stretches of having issues and losing leads when you don't have a secondary ball handler. Mm-hmm. Now Pippen is being face guarded up and down the court. Hard to get him going in the offense as the primary ball handler when they are doubling every single ball yeah. screen he's on. So yeah. you got to get Chapman back. I don't know if you have any update on that. On yeah, that so well, he I saw a tweet from Justin Hershey today saying that Chapman is getting closer, but he's still having a bit of swelling in his knee. Uh, and then for Robbins, he got an MRI last night, but Stack doesn't have the results yet. So he, he didn't put a timetable on either, either person returning, but boy, do they need both of them back. And Robbins on the rebound bounding edge Chapman that other ball handler yeah this is the first time you've really felt even the VCU game that you really felt that need for a true right. second point right. guard I, I think even in VCU that wasn't as much the glaring issue it's just a consistent secondary yeah. score let's face it Trey Thomas I love the guy but he's not going to be that secondary ball no. handler behind Pippen he's just not and another telling stat you mentioned the rebounding will I it was kind of surprising looking back in mean, the second half watching that it's crazy that Vanderbilt led the rebounding edge um, but another telling stat Vanderbilt made 15 of 29 shot attempts in the first half compared for eight for 33 in the second half they only made eight shots in, in the second half and that's shot attempts so uh threes of course out of, out of the equation there smu went 11 for 33 in the first half 19 for 30 in the second half so i mean the, they dominated the second half and, and maybe not early on but smu down the stretch they can continue to impose their will pippen of course will he that's the game we want from him i mean you got to believe if he gives you that you're going to win the game. And so, but I'm not saying that's a, that's a, yes, it's a bad thing that they, they couldn't find a secondary guy kind of behind him. Jordan Wright has been that guy. He had 14 points and 12 rebounds, but even behind Jordan, they still need that other guy. You've seen Miles Studi step up. Shane Dezoni play well uh, against SMU, mm-hmm. uh, but you got to find that other score that you can rely on. And, and it's tough kind of saying you get, you need a third score, but you do, <laughs> you know, you, you got to have that third guy where, you know, say Jordan Wright's off, but Pippen's on, who's that other guy to step in. And they, they bet they're badly missing Liam Robbins, also badly missing Ronnie Chapman. But right now, Will, for me, there's just not enough physicality in the paint right now. And, and there's, you could say Quentin Malore Brown is, is the rim protector at times, but there's not a true rim protector on this team. And, and, and they're going to continue to struggle, I think, uh, especially against more athletic SEC teams. Now, I don't think you, you may not see these issues pop up, up again, back up again against Temple and maybe some of these other non-conference teams, but will they got it? Robbins is that rim protector. You know, if they as soon as he can come back, a lot of these issues, I think, will will will, will be gone. Yeah, I don't even know if it's physicality. I think it's just length and athleticism, because right. I think for the most part, Melora Brown has probably played above my expectations. He's mm-hmm. actually finished around the basket pretty well like this game. He's four of six. He rebounded pretty well. He's just not extremely athletic. He's a big body. He's physical. He's not athletic. And then you have Jermaine Mann coming in. He's only six, six ish. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. don't have, he doesn't have the size. He's physical as well, and he's athletic. He just doesn't have the length and the mm-hmm. size inside to be a real rim protector. Liam Robbins does. So yeah. just having that guy in the middle of the paint, what SMU kept doing is beating our, with the ball, our, our man-on-man defense, beating him to the paint, help having to shift over. They kick it out to a shooter out on either the wing or in the corner. Then our help shifts over again, contest that shot, extra pass for SMU, wide open shot and they were just honestly missing them in the first yeah, half yeah they were running the same thing they were they getting were the looks they wanted they were open they were just missing and they started hitting open shots in that second half and that's why Vanderbilt lost 
combined with the fact that nobody besides Pippen could buy a bucket, yeah. it felt like. I want to ask you, Will, how athletic do you think this team is, truly? You know, because I think through the first seven games, you can say they're more athletic than they were last year. But SMU, they're a good team. They're a good team. But against SEC teams, that's the kind of mold of a team. You know, that's the type of team you're going to play against. And you're seeing even more athletes. I mean, a lot of these SEC teams, you're seeing 10, 11, maybe even 12 guys that are similar in stature. And they're th these, these SEC coaches are throwing them out there. And they're running around, the, running all across the floor, getting rebounds, just being active. So I think they've got some dudes like that. I think Studi's pretty athletic. Dezoni is. But, Will, I don't think you've seen in the Stackhouse era that long, rangy type of athlete that can run up and down the floor, grab a rebound, put a putback dunk, and impact the game in that way. Am I wrong? I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't think we've seen that yet. Now, I think, you know, some guys can develop into that. I think Lee Dort can definitely be that. I think Colin Smith can definitely be that. But right now on this team, I think that's another thing that's hindering them, kind of that athletic, rangy guy that can run the floor. You know, I think what you just described, Billy, is Dylan DeSue. So yeah. <laughs> we have seen it under Stackhouse, but we I think Lee Dort will become that. I think that it's not necessarily like athletic, I don't think is the right thing to say this team's lacking. Right. I think it is just length at that four position. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, you just don't have depth at the five. Once you get Robbins back, that will still that will add depth at the five position. Right. You're still going to be lacking length at that four when you're going to be playing Taryn Frank, Miles Studi, who Studi's even more of a three. He, he right. will shift into that four, but he's more of a three, kind of that small forward. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have Jermaine Mann, who's only about 6'6", six, six, playing mm -hmm. that four. So you just are lacking length. I think even the Colin Smith type, that's that 6'7", can shift into that two-guard, three-guard. Their guards are even small and struggle with size because mm -hmm. Pippen's not necessarily the biggest. Jordan Wright is a big body. Um, I will say he does provide size yeah. and, and a kind of a big body at that guard spot, but certainly not Trey Thomas. He's extremely right. small. The zone is not huge. Um, you kind of saw the rotation tighten down a little bit. Mm. Um, but Tyron Lawrence just has to play better as that Ex secondary ball handler. He is young, inexperienced, and you've seen flashes. But that is the guy that we're talking about basically in this game. You needed Tyron Lawrence or you needed Miles Studi. And those two could not combine for six points. Yeah, you got to have Tyron Lawrence step up in this time. One of the in, one of those in, two guys, Lawrence yeah, or Studi, are the X right. factors. You need one of those guys. Exactly. And when Jordan Wright, fourteen points isn't necessarily an off night, but when he's not putting up twenty, you need another guy. So, well, today's four, today's four position in around college basketball is that Colin Smith, Dylan DeSue mold. It's not necessarily. Uh, who was a good four? Fessizili was a five, but Vanderbilt historically. Like Siakam. Right, yeah. Like you know, Siakam. Historically, I think DeSue is really one of the only guys at that four, kind of that modern age of four that they've had. So once they get Smith in here and then Dort and Athletic five, this is going to be a whole lot different team. So I think that is the piece they're missing. Now, I, I think they can make up for it. I'm not saying this team is is a team that you know can't play without like we like billy like we say this like we knew we know going in that there are going to be holes right. in this roster it's not like the injuries they're going to come back and it's just going to fix everything but right. it does kind of plug some of the holes in the boat and when it, you're coming off three straight 20 lost seasons you know you've got to plug a few holes and that's <laughs> that's where they're at right now you're gonna have some holes but at least with as opposed to kind of how the football season was when we were reacting to this, there are things that you see specific things that you're like, if you could fix these three to five things, right. this team would be able to win these games. In football, right. it was like, if you fix these 35 things, right. it wasn't this set number that you could really yeah. evaluate. So at least, and even last year in basketball was that way. So at least mm -hmm. 
you can say this team is going to be pretty damn competitive in yeah. pretty much every game. So essentially the to-do list for stack is shortening, you know, the to-do yeah. list of getting guys in is, is, is shrinking, which is good. And it's going to, you know, we knew it was going to take time, but we'll next up temple uh, Tuesday night, seven o'clock at Memorial gym temple's not a great team. Uh, they they've got some wins under their belt, but they're never, they haven't beaten a, a good team. They lost three straight against uh, USC Clemson and Boise state. Uh, they're actually, they've won four in a row, but they, like I said, they haven't beaten that, you know, top 25, even a D one team. I don't even think so maybe a couple uh, uh, lower level teams, but uh, well, this is a winnable game and they need to win it. Uh, this is a game they, they uh, we talked about before when, when on the schedule release, the, our, our analyzation there, we said, okay, if they lose this SMU game, you got to bounce back, beat temple. You know, we, we kind of looked at that. So this is a game. Well, they got to win. And, and analyzation billy i think you made up a new word yeah, there. analysis uh, might be analysis, the one there it's, it's, it's getting late <laughs> yeah but i did i did want to take one step back we talked about the height the length is seeming to be the thing lacking i actually subscribed to ken palm so i get all the details st statistics there but their effective height which is a their average height not across all positions compared to the rest of the country they're 202nd so in the country, Ooh, so telling. that that's so telling. it's not it's not in our heads in pretty much every yeah. position at the power forward specifically they're two hundred thirty second. So they're even that's, so exactly we, it's not just answers. in our heads. There's definitely it's, the link there. It's not. it's not physicality, athleticism. It's just size, right, right, or right. For lack I mean, of a better yeah. word, yeah. I mean, just length at, at you know every position. You've got tall guys at the guard spot with you know some Studi when he's playing guard, Dazoni. But yeah, they they're also in experience. That, like as minutes played, three hundred second in the country wow. so keep that in mind as well even with this young class coming in these guys right now are not very experienced so no. we're seeing improvement on a young roster even though it's happening very slowly i yes. think is where we're saying yes and and will i think vanderbilt this season they need one of these road games to to just be a win you know i, I think getting that smu win would have been huge the win uh over pitt was big but SMU is a better team than Pitt and Vanderbilt. You know, I think that would have been another step beating SMU on the road. They weren't able to get it. But, I think uh, splitting VCU, Pitt, yeah. S VCU, Pitt, SMU, and Temple. and Temple would be a good a good place for this yeah. team to be. Two and good. two in those. Some some on the road, some at home. I think that would be a good place yeah. to be. Good, not great, but you know, obviously could have been better. But well, that's basketball again. Temple Tuesday night, seven o'clock Central Time. Tip at Memorial Gym. Let's get into football, Will and. The, the Commodores are heating up. Barton Simmons, Clark Lee, and the guys ha have gone to work. And it's been pretty impressive to see. Uh, let's start with A.J. Swan. He, is, he was the first, uh, kind of not the first, but the first here recently uh, of these guys. And he's now the highest rated recruit in the 2022 class. 6'3", 200-pound quarterback. Very impressive film. Very impressive. Uh, Cherokee High School out of Canton, Georgia. Getting another guy out of Georgia from the South. He's a four-star on rivals. High three-star on 24-7. Uh, he's a 23rd-ranked quarterback in the class of 2022. Top 40 player in Georgia. He's a good player. He really is. And he's had, he had other offers after decommitting from Maryland, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. Uh, but, Will, this is just a huge get. And I think initially I didn't know how good this kid was. But turning off on his film, all I had to see was that first throw. I don't know if you if you checked it, but that first throw, he was rolling to his left and just kind of flicked it, and, and it was perfect. And it, it looked like a 50, maybe a 60-yard throw. So this is a guy that they need, and I honestly think, Will, he could start next year. I, I really do believe that. And the court because, – because I say that because Mike Wright, we were talking about it. I don't know if he proved as much as people made it, might have think to be the starter next year. And, and that's up for – you know, you can say that's up for debate, but it's point blank. I mean, 
A.J. Swan is the best quarterback in that room now. I, I don't know. You know, you, you can argue that. But I, I think bottom line is this quarterback room just got a lot more competitive. Um, after watching this film, well, all I could think about was Jay Cutler uh, because he's kind of that – he's not as big as Jay Cutler, and, and I don't want to get people's hopes up, but the guy can sling it. He really can. And, and he said, in quote, uh, to Sports Illustrated, the new staff, Coach Lee, I have a lot of faith in them and what the program is capable of next year. Since I was a little kid, I grew up a Georgia fan. It's always been a dream to play in the SEC. He said, I kind of want to flip a program around and try to get my name out there, show what I'm about. And, and he said the SEC is the best place to do it. So, well, this guy, it, it, he's impressive as crap. I mean, looking at his film – I from from what I saw in the film, I think he's the best quarterback in the room, at least pure arm talent. Now he's going to be a freshman. He's going to be young, but bold bold statement here. Will hot take of the episode? I think he's going to start now. Maybe maybe not start game one. I think he will become the guy next year. I, I have a feeling. I have an inkling that he'll be the guy. Uh, his stats are incredible. His senior year decommit from Maryland. So will it, it's just an impressive start to this kind of holiday season of recruiting for Vandy. So I, I give them all the credit in the world for picking up this guy at least first. Yeah, getting him in there, especially, you know, you say that quarterback room definitely, you had a hot take there. I'll yeah. just go ahead and start there. You had a pretty hot take. I'm not going to take it that far okay. because I want to say, first off, all you need to do is look this guy up, AJ Swan with two N's, watch the film, just, and you're uh, going to be That's impressed. all you need to do. I, I, I know my first thought as well, Billy, is that is there's the two different types of throwing style. It doesn't necessarily mean either guy's going to be good or bad, but mm. you have Kyle Shermer, who has the more extended wind-up throw. I think he's more similar to Ken right. Seals. And then you have more the flick release, which I would say is the is the ideal spot mm. to be in, which is kind of more Jordan Rogers, Austin Carter Samuels. I'm not saying that Kyle Shermer was worse. I'm not right. saying he was better. I'm just saying yeah. they're different styles and they mm -hmm. were both successful. But I like that Jordan Rogers style. Mm -hmm. I think that will fit what this offense wants to do. And Jordan and uh, AJ Swan, man, that film is impressive. Ooh, it's Im impressive. impressive. It's, it's but, very impressive. But it, it is going to be you. You went into last season and you said Ken Seals is. It's a quarterback competition, but he's 80, 90, probably 95% right. going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. I think in this, going into this year with Drew Dickey, AJ Swan, uh, Ken Seals, and Mike Wright all sitting there with Musa uh, transferring Which out. Which we think, you know, we think those guys yeah, are going to stay. We think everybody's going to be back. I right. would assume Mike Wright is. I think Ken Seals is probably the, the more questionable right. right there, but we don't want to speculate. We haven't mm -hmm. heard a single thing about that. but. No. I think Mike Wright probably does go in with a leg up. Um, it's right. not 95% like Ken Seals, but I think if you had to put betting odds, I would say probably about a 60% chance that yeah. you see Mike Wright roll out there. And then I would I would probably put one of the two freshmen. I would be shocked if Ken Seals doesn't transfer out or is I, able to win this I'm with you. job at this I'm with point. You. The and, only and that's just honestly. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it just kind of feels that way. It really does. And again, we have no proof of this, but this is pure speculation. Yes. Um, but we'll <laughs> – the reason I say that about this guy is he decommitted for Maryland. He was, he was their guy. I mean, he was good. He was going to be their guy that they built. Uh, I know Maryland's an ACC school, uh, but they got a solid program. And now he, he decommits for Maryland comes to Vandy, a lower tier sec school. So you got to believe coach Lee was like, Hey, you're going to come in here, get a chance to compete and be the guy. And, you know, I, I do three, I agree with you that Mike Wright has the leg up. Uh, but going into that season, it's going to be a competition. Between because I do want to say we're going to rave about all of these guys, but we're not saying that they're all perfect players. AJ no. Swan has an interception problem. I think he'd thrown over 20 his senior year. So there are reasons these guys aren't five stars. All of them are going to have flaws in their game. And there's a reason, reason that you don't see a lot of true freshmen on the field, right. especially at quarterback. But 
obviously at Vanderbilt, the quarterback position is not like the quarterback play has been outstanding for your more experienced quarterback. So I think that is a huge selling point to a guy like AJ Swan, yeah. who would have been sitting behind at Maryland. I believe it's Tagovailoa, yes, uh, to yes. his younger brother. So he and he's younger um, out of Alabama. So I think or out of Alabama, the state of right, Alabama. right. Um, is where is where they're from. So I think that probably played a factor is he was sold on the fact this is truly going to be an open quarterback competition. And I think that's really going to be the case. And that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to watch going into the spring, especially with last season. We knew. Right. We didn't know, but we knew who the starter yeah. was going to be. And I, I know we're talking recruiting here, Will, but I have a feeling Joey Lynch is – is gonna is here to stay. Um, he he and, will, uh, based on this recruiting right now, I would yeah. be shocked if yeah. he's if he's moved at this point. And I'm not saying my opinion has changed on him, but I think what I'm saying is let's see. Say he AJ Swan comes in, and that could change our perception of Joey Lynch, and and he because he, he's got a quarterback that can actually throw the football. Um, well, before and, we get and, to the rest of the guys, I mean, right there, I. I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off, you're good. off here. You go, go ahead, Billy. And I was before just, we get to the rest of the guys, I do want to I, say Yeah, I was really just saying Joey Lynch and, and kind of that topic of conversation. I again we get we we ripped the guy. We we really did. We we didn't we didn't give him any of the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but I really do think what type of I hate saying it, but what quarterback did he have to work with? I know he had to work with Ken Seals. We can't really say that. Um, but the situation that was kind of thrown his way. Um, you got to believe that he, if he's able to recruit a guy and kind of mold him into the offense that he wants and, and, and can have success that way, I think our opinion would change on Joey Lynch. Now, I'm not saying he's off our, our shit list or anything, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, that a lot can change. Um, so that's all I was really going to say. This guy's talented, Will. I mean, he threw for over 2,000 yards. Uh, he visited for the UConn game, and then he came back for another visit and ended up changing his mind about Vanderbilt and ended up committing. So uh, I just think he's the type of guy, and I know we like to overhype film a lot. We get excited about it, but I, d- I really do think this guy's different than a lot of the prospects. Um, and he says, I mean, he's the highest rated guy now. So I was just kind of not not necessarily pumping the brakes on the Joey Lynch talk. There's no reason to, I, I think. But once we get A.J. Swan on the field next season, I do think that's more uh, more more things to go off of, you know, uh, in that decision-making. Yeah, I think all... you're going to be surprised, Billy. I was actually, uh, now that you finished out that statement, going to agree with you okay, now okay. on that. So I was going to say that a lot, a lot has happened since we recorded last time <laughs> as far as the football team is concerned. So I wanted to get this out before we got into the rest of the class is – there were a lot of questions after the season in my mind and and a lot of what clark lee had said and different interviews with the staff and different reports from whether it's robbie weinstein or whether it's chris lee and there are two ways that this offseason could have gone um i think that it is the one that clark lee's sitting there saying we have a plan we're right where we want to be and then pretty much more of the same lock up a couple recruits and then you know finish with a class mid 40s you try to right. do some stuff in the transfer portal that's one direction you can go you don't build the excitement and at that point, you have to get rid of Joey Lynch. I mean, you just have to. You have to create the excitement through right. the coaching change. Right. Now, the other direction is all the stuff Clark Lee is saying is not a, is not just coach speak. Is legitimately there are plans in the works. Whether and the first clue to that was guys transferring out that we didn't expect. Number one, and the and announcing that via Twitter and Instagram with the pre-made template. That was number exactly. one yeah. is I don't know how many of these guys legitimately, I'm sure most of it was mutual. Like there's probably it's a mutual parting of boys, guys, Cam Johnson, right, right. Um, Alan George, but there are some guys that probably were told, Hey, your scholarship's not going to be here. 
when you come back. These are these are year by year renewed scholarships. These yeah. are not four years like some people think they are. Yeah. And I think that there were a lot of guys that even that were on the field this year that they were like, we would rather have these freshmen or transfers coming in mm-hmm. with that fit our system. And it seems to be at least during the season, it was expected. It was not going to go well. Just get our guys. We have a plan. Mm-hmm. Just keep trusting. And that is the only reason if they keep doing what they're doing and get these guys we're about to talk about there on the watch yep. list. There, I can wipe the slate clean and go into next year with <clears throat> Joey Lynch and say, "Okay, let's start fresh. Right. Let's start with your guys and let's let's reevaluate." Right. And the transfers you've seen here early on, Will, are very different from the transfers you saw last yes. year. Yes, that that's a clear the movement, ma- the a, number of players that transfer out may be similar, but it's not the same. It, exact, it's just not. <laughs> it's it's just not. And you're building a team, Mason. That was crumbling. You know, so yes. th- that's totally different. But we do have some more guys to talk about. And, you know, we, we can talk more deeply into recruiting a little bit later. But, Will, we've got four guys that if Vanderbilt hits on all four of them, you could see them inching closer to the top 25. You really could. Um, and, and that's that's damn impressive to talk about. Now, if you hit on half of them, you're probably still in the low 30s, I think. But um, even if you hit on three or four, I think you're still inching closer. But the first guy we're going to talk about, Will, is Trudell Berry. Uh, he was in Nashville this past weekend on an official visit. And this guy, I, I watched a little bit of his tape. He's a TCU decommit. And he's kind of, you know, I think right now he's just kind of weighing weighing his options, but he did tweet out some pictures from his visit at Vanderbilt and he's been tweeting uh, about Vanderbilt. And so that kind of feels like it's trending Vanderbilt's direction, but well, he's, he's a guy that, you know, is that kind of same type of speed type of mold where you look at him and you say, okay, he's a Marshall, Marshall decommit. I was muted there. Oh, my, uh, my bad. Marshall, my bad. Marshall. I, I, I'm getting these. Jude, I, the next guy is a TCU. Yeah, decommit. I said, right, I, said, I, said that, I said that earlier, but I forgot that I'd muted myself. Yeah, my bad. So my go. bad. So sorry. Marshall, sorry, that's a late interruption. Get back to what you were talking about. Thank, thank you for the clarification. Marshall, <laughs> Marshall decommit, Trudell Berry. The next guy is a TCU decommit. We'll get to him. There but, Will, uh, this guy is a four-star. He got bumped up late to a four-star, and I think he's the type of guy that Okay, I don't, you know, I need to be in the SEC. Now, Marshall's a decent program, but that, that type of guy, I think, ultimately, eventually will realize, hey, I, I, I'm good enough to be at a better school. So if they can get this guy, it's another type of speed guy that I think, I'm not saying he's a game changer, will impact the season next year, but he's another guy that if you get him in and mold him, he's going to make a difference. So Trudell Berry will, he's the first guy um, on our list. And you know, if he's able to turn him, I think he's a, t- he's a top of our list for a reason. Um, and he's, he's long. I think he's six, two. Um, I, if I believe he's a corner, I think he may be listed as an athlete, but he's a corner out there on the edge. Um, but no. will no, receiver. <laughs> no wrong. wrong. Receiver. There we go. Forgot to put the, the positions on here, yeah. but some of these guys are listed as athletes. Trudell Berry is a receiver, um, but will just really impressive guy. That, that's, I think this, that's kind of the bottom line. This outside of Daniel Martin, who's been on our radar, so that's not a surprise name. I'm not mm. blowing any surprises here, but outside of him, Trudell Berry, I watched every bit of highlight tape that I could find of him. I saw him with Earl Bennett pitching him yep. and committing him in, and that was the first picture. That's all I needed to see first mm-hmm. was Earl Bennett was on him. <laughs> uh, secondly, he decommitted, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch everything I can. This guy returns kicks. Um, he's very explosive. That is something that we talked about in the yep. season recap that Vanderbilt has not had in a while as an explosive kick returner. I didn't see any punts. I could have just missed it. Right. Um, but he is six foot 180. 
he is an explosive playmaker <clears throat> Excuse me, that runs tough after he catches the ball. Mm-hmm. I think that they want to build some stuff where they can do things with little bubble screens, quick yep. passes, quick outs, and guys can make plays after the catch, and they really lack that this year. That's not what, honestly, as good as I think he can be, and you saw flashes. Will Shepard initially is a bigger body. It's definitely Chris Pierce can do that, but he's not a guy to catch a four-yard out and turn it up for a 50-yard play and do three juke moves. I mean, he's a fade pass catcher he's a big body um cam johnson is a is a slot route runner he's not a particularly explosive guy after he gets the ball as good of a route runner as he is trudel berry fits i think what they want to do and man he just got bumped up to not just a four star this would be not even close the highest rated guy in the class and 24 7 is kind of the gold standard yep. so i think you'll see so what is commonly everything refers to is the 24 7 composite which is like a combination that's, that's of a every, combination, yes. every one of these sites. Right. But the 24-7 rating yes. on the actual site is what he bumped up to the number mm-hmm. 225 player nationally, number 12 athlete in the country. Yes. Um, and the only player that's even on a watch list or anything around that rating at Van, that Vanderbilt's targeting right now is Daniel Martin. Mm-hmm. So him, and if they could get Daniel Martin and True Del Berry, this class would completely turn around from like, okay, they're building on something to... This is an immediate impact class yeah. that can change things. Well, after talking about Trudell Berry, I got a question for you. What is the one thing most SEC offense, SEC, SEC offenses tried to do and succeeded against Vanderbilt's defense that that you noticed? Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to give you everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you quick, can say quick routes, can different ex- exactly yeah. the quick routes, the quick bubble screens, screen routes, and mm-hmm. they just let their receiver go, just let him loose. And Vanderbilt was not able to do that at all against any of the SEC defenses. And SEC defenses, guys like Mike Leach, guys like Josh Heupel, Lane Kiffin, said, hey, all we need to do is toss it out to our guys in a screen pass or a bubble screen and let them go. And so that's just I, athletes on athletes. Exactly. And that, that's what we talked about, Jimmys and Joes, X's and O's. Vanderbilt did a bad job on the X's and O's, in, in our opinion, but also – even schemed perfectly, it's pretty tough. And that's where we gave a lot of lacks to the defense more this season. Yeah, so basically what I'm getting at is Trudeau Berry's a guy that can fix that. And you said, you know, he may he may not, uh, you know, his speed will obviously improve once he gets to Vanderbilt, but he seems to be that type of guy. Once he catches it, he turns on another level. So, you know, that, that and uh, that picture with Earl Bennett was, that was priceless. I mean, you see that and you're like, okay, this guy's got to be good. You got the all-time leader in, in receptions uh, in the SEC there. So uh, Second now. Second. Second now behind, Second now. Uh, behind Jordan Jane Matthews. Man. Yeah. Um, but, Will, I mean, it, this guy is a guy that will change uh, kind of the – not the scheme necessarily, but he will be able to impact the game w- with his playmaking ability. Second guy, Will. Now we're getting to the TCU decommit. I'm not sure how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm going to go with Jadias Richard. I'm probably wrong there. It could be Jadais. I'm not sure, but let's go with Jadais Richard. Uh, he actually just picked up a Louisville offer. So he's another kind of guy that some schools are noticing here late that Barton Simmons kind of noticed first. Now these schools are hopping on saying, okay, we like this kid. Um, but, Will, he, he's, he's, he's listed as a defensive back, uh, whether that turns into a safety or a corner, who knows. He seems like kind of that safety type of guy. Uh, listed at 6'2", if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. he's, got, he's that big body type of safety that Vanderbilt has had in the past. You saw it in the Franklin years. Even in some of the Mason uh, years, you saw some of that. I think you saw it with Donovan Kaufman the one year he was here. Um, but, Will, he's a, he, he seems to be that hard-hitting guy that, that has speed coming from that top safety position. I would assume he, he plays safety. 
but he's another guy. I mean, you see these schools. I know Marshall isn't as impressive as a TCU decommit, but TCU, that's a Big 12 school uh, that's actually that actually is, is usually in the middle of that pack, maybe even upper echelon in that conference. So he's another guy that if Vanderbilt can hold on to him, that's another benefit, just like Trudell Berry. And, and, he, yeah, and, and if they can get it. And let's make sure we give the caveat here of – all of these we're talking about are targets. None of these right, guys are right. committed. They have either crystal balls on 24-7 or the rumor mill mm-hmm. is swirling there in that warm or warmer category right. in 24-7 sports. So these are not commits yet. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, <laughs> but they're trending in the right direction. Right. And so these aren't guys that Vandy has, what we're saying, if they can grab them uh, because of the speculation that we've heard with these crystal balls. So he's another guy uh, will defensively that, you know, all these guys that w- will make impacts. Another guy, though, will on, to, on the defensive side, you got one. You got you got something on Jedi. Yeah, I do want to say on him. His film is also another one that this is the last film I watched actually going into the podcast. Okay. I wish I would have watched more. He is a big body safety, 6'2, 205. He plays very close to the line of scrimmage. Um, he is like the NFL proto or the Clarkley prototype to be in this 425 rover subbing in a nickel packages. He is great against the run game, um, pressing up against uh any type of read option yeah. stuff. He was making some great plays there. And granted, the competition level, it's harder to tell mm-hmm. um, at different levels, but he was a hard hitting safety and a sure tackler. And that's mm-hmm. something I noticed across all of these guys defensively is the tackling was the number one thing yep. in instincts and charging towards the ball and closing space quickly were the things that all kind of went along in these defensive guys, as well as kind of playmaker ability, quick burst with, mm-hmm. with uh, Trudell Berry and the, and the other that we'll get to here. You sound like Barton Simmons out here, Will. You're analyzing out here. That, that's, that feels you got like me excited. I've feels... got hope for the first time in a while, Billy. It's dangerous. It's dangerous <laughs> what hope will do to you. We're playing with fire out here on the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, Will, let's, uh, let's get to uh, these last couple targets. Again, these are not de- uh, commits. Hopefully not decommits. These are not commits. Uh, Jeffrey Hugo. Uh, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce his, his uh, last name. Utah decommit. Uh, Robbie Weinstein actually just put a Vandy crystal ball in for this guy. Um, well, <laughs> you said dude can hit. And, and, and uh, you know, this guy, he, he feels kind of that bigger mold, maybe not as tall as Richard. But, you know, he's that kind of mold of a guy that, that you watch his film. I watched a little bit of it. Just kind of that dog mentality. And he'll go up there and hit you. So uh, with, with you go here. Utah decommit Utah, if I'm not mistaken, will just beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And that's a big time, at least this year, that's a big time program, top 15 program. So when you're seeing that type of guy leave that kind of program and start inching closer to Vanderbilt, that's how you know, I think Barton and Clark are, are doing the, a lot of the right things on the recruiting trail. So, and, and, and their evaluation methods are maybe not different than these schools, but I mean, they are, they're on their, they're, they're aggressive right now. That's what I'll say. They're, they're playing aggressive and they're putting their chips on the table saying we need to grab these guys. So Jeffrey Hugo will uh, is another guy that looks impressive defensively. Yeah, a little bit smaller body size than Jedi is what I'm going to go with until we get corrected. Inevitably, Jedi Richard, his body type is a little bit smaller, but he's another guy plays for even being six one, I think 180. He played really close to the line of scrimmage. He had drop back and coverage a little bit more. But it, on those screens, like what you said, where the team just dominated Vanderbilt with, mm-hmm. that was like his first like seven highlights <laughs> on his highlight tape for him attacking those, attacking read option teams and making the right play. And so as another guy that it, I want to go to where his offers were. You mentioned mm-hmm. Utah, also yeah. an offer from Houston, Indiana. It is kind of weird, which is why I always say I like to look at who their offers are from right. and not necessarily the stars because – 
even though he got bumped up to the number 225 player nationally in Trudel Berry, and I love his film, and he's probably going to be get some offers here late. Mm-hmm. I mean, his other offers were Marshall, Colorado State, Columbia, Incarnate Word. Right. And then you go to a guy like Jedi Richard, who is a three-star kind of lower rated mm-hmm. on the three-star scale, and he has offers from TCU, Baylor, Indiana, Louisville, Memphis. So it's kind of weird to see the rating system not necessarily go along. So I look at the offers here, um, and like you said, the decommit from Utah tells tells yeah. you that he is looking to build something at Vanderbilt. He was looking at winning programs. Mm-hmm. But you see this prototype building. It's guys closing space, speed, which is something this team just lacked last year in this Carkley scheme. They did. They really did. And, and Will, another thing about this, this process is getting late down the stretch here. You're seeing some big-time programs make some moves at these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll talk about – I want to touch on that a little bit later. we got a couple more guys to hit on here. Uh, we got a linebacker and an athlete. But most these two guys will likely play on defense if they end up at Vanderbilt. Four-star linebacker Daniel Martin. He Vandy leads uh, for him on the 24-7 crystal ball uh, list. I think two guys have crystal balls for him, Robbie Weinstein and another guy. Uh, and then B.J. Diakite, Will, is a guy that we have tracked. And we talked about him a while ago when he originally committed, but he ended up decommitting. And we thought Georgia Tech was the next team up for him. But now we're, what we're hearing is that there's a two-team battle between Vandy and Georgia Tech. I mean, that's that's what he posted. He said, I'm going to make my decision between Vandy and Georgia Tech. So, uh, But Georgia Tech will seems to be fading from that, which is what we're kind of hearing about in that regard. So Daniel Martin, B.J. Diakite, I think, well, those guys, if Vanderbilt snags them, Daniel Martin, I got a good feeling about him. Not sure about B.J. Diakite, but both of those guys – will make impacts on D de- on the defensive side of the ball. Daniel Morton. I mean, hell that guy could start next year. I think, I mean, being, he would be probably that top rated guy. And then AJ Swan in that list, but Dikite and Martin will, I mean, those guys defensively are guys that if they can get them again, they're going to see some early playing time. Like a lot of these guys, man, Daniel Martin, I'm not exaggerating. He is the He's next mold. It is what Vanderbilt's been missing for a few years. It is the mold of Zach Cunningham, uh, Chris Marv, Jonathan Goff, some, that is the staple of a good Vanderbilt defense, just having one guy that is the best player on the field when you walk out there, and you need that. We always talk about that. Always tough for Vanderbilt. We talked about it with Scott Pippen. I feel good no matter who they're playing because they walk out there. They have the best player on the court. Right. Even if he's not playing well that day, he's the best player. It gives him a chance. Vanderbilt hasn't had that at the middle linebacker position. Daniel Martin, I think he's the 210th player in the country. And, man, they've been on his radar for a long time. Yep. It was kind of early in Clark Lee. The, the rumors started swirling. Mm-hmm. He saw some things on 24-7. He is a program-changing talent alongside the rest of these guys. And hopefully they can get some of these players we're talking about. They're all kind of trending in the right direction, like we said. But if they manage to pull off, bring in all of these guys, including bringing six foot three Diakite back, who can play that kind of hybrid position rover, you're going to see a lot of true freshmen on the field. That's what they're able to sell. You can play and build from the beginning. Look at all these spots we have. We exactly. have a lot of holes to fill. There's going to be an op- truly open competition. We don't even have guys that have played snaps at a lot of these positions coming back. So come in, build something from the start. Is next year going to be a struggle? Probably. Yep. But are you going to see some exciting plays that we really didn't see this year if you bring in this class yes. and keep the momentum going? Absolutely. You're going to feel a little bit of excitement, some big plays from some young guys and I don't think we saw a ton of that this year. No, we didn't. And, and there's a couple of things, Will, kind of wrapping this up that I want to get to. Um, first thing is, 
Daniel Martin could be the icing on top of this cake, on top of this recruiting cake. Uh, he could be that last guy to commit, and it would be after the U.S. Army All-American Bowl where those guys commit on national TV. So, I mean, you'd see an Oregon hat and likely a Florida State hat and a Vandy hat. And if he picks Vandy, that's on national TV. That, get, that gets on Twitter. That's kind of some momentum heading into the regular season. And he's a guy that would play. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he would. And it's funny, you're would. battling against one of the guys at Florida State that I just Chris named Marv. off. Chris Marv. Chris Marv. Yep. So maybe, maybe uh, you just sneak in, hey, that guy that uh, got that job that's recruiting you so heavy into uh, Florida State. Remember, <laughs> remember where he played. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, so. I know he's at Florida State, but where, where did he play? Yeah, where, do you, where did he get the reputation to then get that job? Yeah, um, take a look at so some of those keep stats. That, keep that one in mind, Daniel. Yeah, take a look at some of those Vandy stats. Chris Marr, but Will, Florida State's in a tough spot, so you got to believe uh, it's Oregon and Vandy. I mean, I have no clue what's but going on. But I want to say inside. on Daniel Martin is – I forgot to say it when I was actually talking about mm -hmm. him there. But you would think with what Clark Lee was able to do at Notre Dame and then what he was able to do with Ethan Barr and Fernie Orgy, you would think he could sell to Daniel Martin. Look mm -hmm. at the stats they put up at the position. No offense to those guys. He can look at Daniel Martin in the eyes and say, you are – three times four times the player ability just natural ability i'm not saying when he walks on campus but ability to get there and look at the stats they put up look at think about the stats you can put up here yeah. you're guaranteed to be just the perfect nfl draft prospect it's prospect if you come in put in the work you're gonna put up the numbers to get you noticed and i think that's a sell he can give to a lot of these yeah. guys and i think there's opportunities to make plays on this defense and put up some numbers yeah i was just gonna say langston patterson darren agu line is zunk mm -hmm. i mean those are other big time defensive players that they're gonna get in and play i mean that's that's mm -hmm. kind of the the fact of the matter right now and, and also hey maybe even kane patterson a guy that that is a transfer uh at target you, you would like to believe we haven't heard a ton about him here in the past week or so um but he's a guy that you got to believe is on their surprised. radar yeah i mean his <laughs> brother surprised if he doesn't come here big time selling point you're getting to play yeah. alongside your brother but another thing will clark lee you talked about him and kind of molding players we saw it at notre dame you, you saw a perfect example of that is kyle hamilton at notre dame he was a three-star kind of a lower three-star recruit uh, but a big guy, I think it was 6'3", long safety, and Clark Lee saw that initially, recruited him, got him on campus, and built him into an, an, an NFL first-round draft pick. Um, I mean, that guy's a beast. So that, that's kind of what Clark Lee can point to as well and say, hey, look at these guys I've molded, and, and you can be that next player. You know, that, that, that's kind of part of the hashtag of come get developed. You've got guys like Earl Bennett and, and, and other guys in on that coaching staff that have been there and done that, um, and they can help in that process. So I really do think that's a selling point in kind of the future of the program. And now how much of an impact are they, are a lot of these guys going to make next year? Will, you know, they'll, they'll show some, some flashes. I guarantee you that, but they're not going to be the player. They, they, I think we, we expect them to be until maybe year two, year three. So that's a lot of what's going on going on. I, I think in the process right now with Barton Simmons and Clark Lee, they're not necessarily getting those five star. They maybe get a one or two, four stars, but they're not looking at necessarily impact players quite frankly, because they can't get those guys right now, but also, they're, they're working with what they got and they're working with, with the guys that are on their radar. And, and it's, it's good to see, I mean, Will, we haven't had any positive things to talk about with this program in a while, you know, and, and you know, we, we saw some flashes this season that we talked about. We would say those are positives, but I think this is proof that after a two and 10 season, the vision is there. 
and and what Clark Lee is selling and Barton Simmons also on that recruiting trail and all those other guys in the scouting department, they've got a big team of scouters. I mean, it, it just feels different than that Derek Mason era, you know, of, of kind of the way they evaluate talent. And, and I don't have any facts for that, but it feels that way. And kind of their, I mean, the facts are they've got <laughs> nearly a top 25 class after a two and 10 season. That's the facts. Now they may not get to that top 25 range if they don't hit on some of these guys, but Initially, basically, what I'm saying, Will, is it's impressive what they're doing. And, and I mean, the fact, it's, yeah, that's good. Impressive, I think, is what you would say because I mean, you have you have you're coming off a season with literally, and I say literally, no momentum. I mean, it, it as much as we tried to spend some things and playing better to the outside. If you're not a diehard, you did see improvement if you watched every snap of every game. But on the outside, there was no improvement, and and there was no momentum. You're two and ten coming off a season where you went zero and nine and had to cancel your last game of the year. Coming off a 2019 year where you went three and nine, you lost to UNLV at home. I mean, it is amazing that they are even in the conversation for all these decommits and transfers. So you're seeing a plan. I mean, you said you you don't have any facts. We don't we yeah, don't have I, like the breakdown. Right. But I mean, you can see there's a plan. facts by and there's I, not much on the field that you can go by. But but the rankings are there. You know. I mean, I mean and it's as much as like we said, coach speak. Like you can't right. just say that well, this year in 2021 was team zero because what they're doing mattered. I think it would be right. easier to bring in a lot of these recruits if team one had performed better on the right, field Ob- right. obviously it would be but that was team zero this is team one so that's what i want to say is like we're building excitement you're not going to see the benefit of this necessarily you will a little bit next year but it's the years after that this is team one in 2022 but i want to say the one thing i always like to give this caveat because i hate how people talk about the recruiting rankings on 24 7 Vanderbilt is going to have a decently ranked class, which is huge. And they mean a lot to be ranked on average year in, year out where, where they are. But keep in mind that how they calculate it, it's not that Vanderbilt will have that average player coming in that's a top 25 average player. Vanderbilt has a ton of open scholarships, a lot more than most teams, especially with this extra year of COVID eligibility. So each player is assigned a certain score. Like right now, Vanderbilt on 24-7's rankings is ranked, I believe, at 32 um, I think yep. it's the latest. That was the latest, yeah. Yeah, but they have no four-stars committed. And around them, they're the only school, uh, really, oh my, even until 40, 43 there with no four-stars committed. Wow. And that's just because they have 19 three-stars. So that's mm-hmm. a lot more than the other teams around them. Ole Miss, for example, is the number 31 class. They have four four-stars and 10 three-stars. So while this class is exciting, you are bringing in talent. You have to replace a ton of positions. You have to bring in more of these three-stars. You're Vanderbilt. You're not going to get the high, extremely high-rated guys. You got to get a couple this year. But these, this isn't like every single player in this class is game-changing. This is building depth, and it's exciting because they're actually getting nationally ranked players. That's mm-hmm. something I think more than stars Vanderbilt fans should look at is if the player is nationally ranked because that means right. he's in about the top thousand players, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. And right now, all of these guys, pretty much, I think, except one or two, are nationally ranked. Mm-hmm. So. Don't get too excited about the actual recruiting ranking on the board, but just keep in mind you're building quality depth. And then if you can get some of those game changers after a two and 10 season with no momentum, imagine what you can do if you can actually put some wins on the board going forward. Yeah. And, and Will, for a lot of these guys, it's also impressive to see some of these commits come after a few decommits a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we were talking about decommits mm-hmm. and saying, oh, this class is maybe going downhill. But now they're, they're, yep, they're starting to kind of change that trajectory. And it's almost as if we've forgotten about those decommits now, you know, not that they're not that Caleb Coley is, it doesn't matter anymore. He's a guy that uh, obviously Vandy fans would have liked to have, 
but you're starting to see that trend now with a lot of these guys coming in. And who knows, you get Daniel Martin, you get some of those other targets we talked about, BJ Kite to flip back. Now, all of a sudden, you're a, you're a top 30 recruiting class after a two and 10 season. So, yeah, and I went into that class calculator. You said would be top 25, Billy. They, they right. will be right now if, if they got all of these guys. And this yeah. is before the upgraded ranking um, that we were talking about for mm. Trudel Berry, if that is to update. But they would be right now, if all things held equal, nobody else committed anywhere, and they got these guys we talked about, they would be 24th in the country, wow. which would be numbers that wow. we haven't seen. Obviously, they won't end there. But that is a number that we have not seen since James Franklin. Yeah, and that's those, progress that we're even seeing that number at any point in the year. Those are Franklin era numbers. Those really are. And, and well, I think the next step, though, is keeping these guys here, you know, because mm-hmm. the recruiting process doesn't end until what, February, January, February. So well, now with the transfer portal, it doesn't end. Uh, it doesn't end ever. They transfer <laughs> once. Yeah, it never ends. It's yeah, constant. It's, this, in today's world, it's a never ending cycle. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is, towards the end of this recruiting cycle, at least with these high school guys, can Vanderbilt keep them there? Because you're going to see, I guarantee you, guys like Davion Walker that are kind of under the radar, Trudell Berry, some other guys, can Vanderbilt keep them there? Can, can they, can they keep them in that saddle and say, Hey, let's, you know, let, let's, let's keep it here at Vanderbilt and, and see what we can do. So that, there's still challenges. Again, it's not done yet. There's still guys they can get. There's still, you may still see a decommit there. Uh, you may not, you know, I mean, it, it, there's still a lot to happen, but right now on December 6th, uh, as this period starts to wind down, Vanderbilt's in a really good spot that, I mean, there's no other way around it after a two and 10 season, you're starting to see that shift. Now you still got to see it put into action on the field, but will, I think what we're trying to get at is the fact that Clark Lee, Barton Simmons, these guys deserve credit. Um, and, and you're seeing it. You're really starting to see, see that Barton Simmons effect. It's not just Barton Simmons. Obviously you have other coaches there uh, and they've done a good job, but you're seeing it and you're seeing it in action. Um, so, so that's kind of where we're at with that class and, and, and Will. So they're at 32 right now. They're 12th in the SEC. I think realistically, the spot that you want to get at obviously is inside the top 25, but if Vanderbilt can break 30 and stay within that 30 range, I mean, boy, that, there, there's nowhere else you'd want to be. I mean, I mean it's just it's just the quality of teams you're around. It's like what we say, if, if these higher tier programs that are performing better year in year out are offering your guys yeah. and that's who you're getting them over and they, and you know, offers are offers, but just that they were recruiting after them. That's what we yeah. always say is really important. Do you, have, you look at the, you have, you look at the, the teams list, Will, Do you have the list? I mean, who are they ahead of? Right. Yeah. Right that's now. what I was about to right, you, right. read in my mind. See, that's that chemistry <laughs> right there. But right now, I said Ole Miss is 31, Mississippi State's 30, Indiana's 29, Vanderbilt's 32, behind Vanderbilt right now, 33 West Virginia, 34 Auburn, 35 Baylor, 36 Purdue. So compare that That's to like the teams last year. So right around them, and I'm, and I'm just reading them off. Mm-hmm. At 50, at, they were 53 in 2020, and right around them were Oregon State below them, Washington State, Kansas. Yeah. And then above them is Missouri never recruits well for some reason. They're right always <laughs> down there. But Missouri, Baylor, Virginia, right at that 50 spot. So just the tier of program you are around exactly. is just different. And then 2021, which is obviously when they were able to keep this mm-hmm. class, even though Bradley's transferred out, Sujic, yeah. is they were Georgia Tech, 48 ahead of Vanderbilt, Memphis ahead of Vanderbilt, and right below them are Northwestern, SMU, Arizona State. That is just a, it's a different tier that they're mm-hmm. next to. There's a big difference between between the 49th ranked recruiting class and being in that low 30s to high 20s, just like there's a massive difference between right. an even bigger difference between, you know, that mid top right. 25 to really being in the top 10. Mm-hmm. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So and that's the same jump. 
right. granted is one harder than the other absolutely but that's a huge jump like yeah. i don't want to just paper over that. no no and no, i did crap on the rankings <laughs> We're still going off the 24-7 rankings no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> but, Will, I think what you're seeing also is, um, you know, next year, these guys, a lot of these guys may not make immediate impacts next season. But the good thing about a lot of these guys is you got to believe they believe in that vision and they'll be back. I mean, that, that's also another thing. They're committing to Clarkley. They're not committing hey. to Vanderbilt. Like other guys commit to Georgia or Bama. Like they're committing to this build. Like there's no way you looked at it and they're like, it's going to be sick to go to Vanderbilt. <laughs> like that's the coolest place to commit. That's not the case right now. Maybe in three, four years with yeah, the maybe new facility. Then. Yeah. But I think it's timing up perfectly with that new facility to be built. A lot of these guys, that first game in that new stadium will be a lot of these guys. And that's, I mean, that's pretty cool to think about. And, you know, we talked about it with Reese Mooney. I mean, he said the facilities are a big thing about that and and a big thing he's looking at and and they believe it. So, well, big recruiting episode there. I don't know if we've talked that much recruiting in a while, but uh, that was fun. And uh, we, we want to get Robbie Weinstein on and kind of dive a little bit deeper, uh, but he, he's obviously pretty busy this time of year, but that pretty much does it. And recruiting is going to continue. Uh, but meanwhile, we've got basketball basketball Tuesday night against Temple so we'll see are you going to be there uh, at Memorial Gym I'm not going to this one but okay. yeah Billy we have a little more creative freedom now at this time of the year it's not as much <laughs> like we actually have to like pick out the storylines I forgot what that's like we're so used to football season that's you do your recap and then maybe a midweek thing if any news breaks and then you do your preview and then it's yeah. just set 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 so now we've got to really pick out the storylines to we, follow we don't necessarily have a format now we can go yeah. wherever we want a little bit yeah. of uh, recruiting experts it's good or bad oh yeah well there you have it that is episode 131 of the door report uh coming up we'll probably have one for you later next uh, not next week this week maybe talking about some new commits and uh but vanderbilt temple coming up tuesday night on the sec network plus that is seven o'clock central time tip off for myself billy derrick and will byram you've been listening to episode 131 of the door report powered by a fine wood floors